Hello and welcome to This is the Future podcast. My name is Dayo Moyo. I hope you are safe and sane. I truly believe that the current pandemic would soon pass away. On today's episode of the podcast, I'll be speaking with Johnson Abali, the convener of the SGC WhatsApp School, which currently has over 4,000 secondary school students. We had a very long discussion. However, it was fiery that I just could not edit any part out. So I've decided to divide it into two episodes. And my apologies for the not-so-splendid audio. Network has been crazy since the lockdown. Enjoy. All right, Johnson Abali, welcome to This is the Future podcast. How are you today, sir? I am very good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And I must say that it's great having you um, on board, finding the time um, to come and speak with us on This is the Future podcast. Well, it is the future, isn't it? So it's the smartest thing to do to connect with where we are going. Yes, I I, I agree with you, sir. And um, before I even delve into the many things I would like to speak about on today's episode, I would like to ask you how you are currently, quote and unquote, enjoying the lockdown. <laughs> Interesting that you should call it an enjoyment. Uh, uh, lockdowns like this afford us opportunity to have access to time uh, because, you know, time is the one element that our civilization attacks. So nobody gets to have enough of it. So this lockdown allows you to have time to be with family, to do reintrospection, to reflect, contemplate, and also do some of the things that some of us are trying to do, reach out to others and see how we can add value. So um, it's an irony, some benefits coming out of this lockdown that we have really enjoyed. And uh, we hope it will be over soon, though. Yeah, we do hope it will be over soon because the flip side of the coin is that for the thousands and millions of students scattered all over the world, um, when they have enough time, sometimes they don't know what to do with it. Yes, they don't. Yeah. And that is why some of us have to step in to ensure that kids are fully engaged. And I'm, I'm very happy for the level of engagement that we have seen so far. And I am also grateful for several other platforms that have put up something for young people at this time. We really need it so that our nation will keep learning, so that when we come out of this, we can be better for it. Exactly. So I first saw your post about the WhatsApp school on the Concerned Parents and Educators group on Facebook. And then I was very interested in it. I was very happy to see someone come or an organization come up with something so beautiful so but before i go into that i would like to dig into your advent into education in the first place what made you interested in education well i i have a background in english and literature and that naturally gives me the opportunity to do a lot of communication i built on it and uh, had a foray into education I became a member of the education uh, subcommittee of the Nigerian Economic Summit Group. And from there, my interest in the, in the sector deepened. Uh, 
And again, when I saw that, because the line of my work, um, I'm into talent profiling and uh, human resource development. And I did realize that the quality of talent coming out of our schools is pitiable, especially when you compare with those who come from outside the country. And the problem is really fundamental. We don't have a problem with the learners themselves. The learners are 21st century ready, but the structure, the tools, the policy, the curriculum, all of that is has not really helped. So it naturally spiked my interest. So I've been doing a lot of work especially with the British Council in Nigeria, doing core skills training for teachers, school leaders, and policymakers in education. And I've done this for a few years, and it's been very rewarding work. All right, And it was just a natural response for me when I saw that this lockdown was going to put our kids out of school. It was, it was a natural call to duty. I felt this is the time for us to step into the void and make sure that we plug the gaps. We don't want to lose anyone, you know, during this time. All right, great. And and I think personally that the um, pandemic has opened um, a number of educators' um, eyes to see that they need to do something more about um, leveraging technology in times like this. Because in some other countries, probably more developed than Nigeria, they've got some things in place for their students in times like this. So my question would be that after this pandemic, how do you think the people interested in education in Nigeria, how should they respond um, to making it that when such thing happen again, we are prepared and ready for, for such a thing? What education managers and planners are going to experience after COVID-19 will be unprecedented. It will be a storm because a lot of young people are now exposed to virtual learning e-classrooms and they now have access to material that they could not even dream of having in school. And so schools are going to come under tremendous pressure to find ways to incorporate e-learning and you know, digital, digital skills into education planning because the, the, the tools that the children need to succeed in the 21st century are now being provided in schools, especially in the public sector, uh, sorry, public education. And so kids haven't experienced that level of exposure. For instance, in the Edmodo classes that we work in, the virtual classrooms that we use, we have access to virtual practicals, access to video experimentation, access to video lecture. They, they can break out into groups and do more collaborative work. They can do all sorts of things that are virtually impossible to do in their schools because of infrastructural limit, limitations or inadequacy. But that, those limits don't exist on the virtual space. All right, so kids haven't been exposed to these kinds of things. We now return to schools, the regular brick and mortar schools, and then they will start to demand for more. All right, learning would now be the same. Like somebody said, when the mind has been stretched on the new ideas, it does not return to its former dimensions. You see, when these yeah. kids have been stretched to learn in a different way and it's more effective and they learn faster and better, they've covered more material better than they would have in school. You see, Educational planners are going to have a crisis on their hands if they do not immediately begin, even before the COVID-19 is over. 
start to think about how they can incorporate e-learning into school immediately and begin to partner with private sector to provide them with the tools, whether learning laptops or uh, offline learning resources or even data for students to be able to access the internet. All right, these are the kinds of collaborations and partnerships. School owners, school managers, policymakers will start to think about after this pandemic is over because learning will not remain the same again. This student will still come back to a model to find ways to continue to explore what they have already started during this lock, uh, lock, uh, lockdown. And I think it's a good thing. I really think it's a good thing. I'm looking forward to seeing that revolution happen. We have been asking for an emergency in the education sector and nothing has really come out of this. But I mean, look at what we have now. The situation on ground now is going to put pressure on the system. That change that a lot of people have been slow in embracing, now they will now have to embrace it as a matter of survival. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Now, tell me about um, Edmodo and SDC um, before the pandemic. Well, a lot of people think that we set up Edmodo. We did not. Edmodo is already an established, uh, established online learning platform that uh, was put together by some tech experts someplace in the world. It has over 4 million downloads globally. And, the, uh, and it has a resource sharing center where educators and teachers can share materials with one another. The classroom structure and all of that are designed to ensure that there is engagement, there is formative assessment, there is test taking, grading, quizzing, and several other things that are typically not feasible in a classroom. So it's, we just saw the platform and then we analyzed it and saw it had all the tools that we needed to ensure children had a real robust e-learning experience. So we adopted it. All right. And uh, we also had to make do with the WhatsApp platform because WhatsApp allows you to engage with students on a more personal level. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's not as personal as that. You know, it's like coming to class and then disappearing. WhatsApp is more engaging. So on. So what we have done is that students form teams with the WhatsApp group. So in the WhatsApp group now, beginning from this week we're entering, they, this WhatsApp group should become teams, project teams, because on the Edmodo classrooms, especially in the critical thinking and problem-solving classes, we are going to start to give them actual live ammunition projects that require them to think and solve problems. So all those WhatsApp groups become working teams right now that will solve those problems together and post their results in the public space, whether in medium or in uh, social media and all the places. So it's, it's gonna be fantastic going forward. All right, it's, so the, the goal is that we're using Edmodo and WhatsApp to give students a holistic, comprehensive learning experience that allows them that to continue their learning even beyond school. In fact, even without school. All right, so that if teachers go on strike, if they're on break or whatever happens, learning does not stop. Because that's the only thing that we have a country like Nigeria prepare for the future. All right, we have to take school beyond school. That's that's some, some string of words put together here. And thank thank goodness you talked about critical thinking. And I've been following the group again and again every evening. And I I, I see those tasks every day, and I'm like, wow, where did these guys get these tasks from? You want to talk to me about 
how you come up with your task every day or yes every day i've been looking at them and they've been splendid the students have been engaging powerfully with it especially the science class and could we also liken it to your experience in british council nigeria Yes, it is. I am a core skill facilitator for British Council. And critical thinking and problem solving are one of those major areas that I handle, both for teachers, school leaders, and policymakers. All right, so it's you could it's my forte. It's something that I'm an expert at. All right, in generating uh, problems that help that require some level of thinking evaluation uh, breaking things down comparing different perspectives looking for now routine ways to solve problems and also looking for deeper structures now all of those are the elements of critical thought which unfortunately is not embedded into our national curriculum as it were and which in my opinion is the most critical part of the education itself because the capacity for reflection and contemplation is what leads you to application of knowledge and that is where wealth is created so when people are now reflecting and contemplating on some of the things that they are learning you can't apply principles unfortunately a lot of young people just read so that they can pass an exam all right so they, they, they don't see the value for understanding what they have read if they just memorize the material they can regurgitate it in an exam hall and the deal is done but that does not prepare them for an effective uh, live outside score because the 21st century is going to put a premium on the mind the capacity of the mind in fact we call it the 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 century of the life of the mind the capacity to drill your thinking, to challenge your thinking, to look for new ways to solve intractable problems, to be non-routine in how you go about problems that never existed before, for which you have no reference. These are the kind of problems confronting us every day. All right, if you were in the group yesterday, we did reflection. And maybe you could quote some of the students, how that they gave feedback on the impact of this critical thinking and problem solving on them. And it was a beautiful thing to read. I mean, you, you read through you, you come nearly to tears because it's, it's almost as these kids are just beginning to rediscover who they were, that their minds can rise and they did not know it. You know, that kind of thing. So we need a consistent barrage of critical thinking problems and activities to challenge the mind of these people, to stretch their thinking and expand their vision of what is possible. We think Nigerian young people deserve this kind of education. All right. So um, I'm happy that one of the things I read about you is that you train MTN scholars for workplace readiness. And in the last question, we talked about critical thinking. And we understand that there are other skills that are necessary for the future, problem-solving skills, ability to work in a team, communication skills, that probably our secondary school, even the tertiary institution, are currently not zeroing in to help our children prepare for their future. Now, my question is that how do we integrate all these skills into the secondary school system, number one? Number two, how do we educate parents, teachers, and other school owners uh, and school owners generally for them to grasp the importance of these skills in building and preparing the children for the future? Yeah, I think the first thing is to start with um, the policy that 
policy that tells employers that the only set of people they can employ are people with a university degree or a polytechnic diploma. That's where the problem has to be fixed. Because the real reason a lot of people don't take education seriously is because they're looking for the certificate so that they can get jobs. That's the truth. Because they just feel that any which way I get a job, I put food on the table, and that is it. But that is so unrealistic in the 21st century. Because in different parts of the world right now, they are beginning to de-emphasize college degrees, and they are beginning to put an accent on the need for core skills, technical skills, job readiness skills. All right, people now asking questions like, what have you done before? What problems have you solved? What problem-solving skills have you built over the years that can impact on the work that we do so that when we bring you into our company, we can have impact, at least on the bottom line. These are the ways that companies and jobs are looking at. Even if somebody wants to become an entrepreneur, you want to work on your own, these are the skills that will help you make a success of your business ideas. Because if you do not have these skills, you will not be able to spot changes when they happen because you are not a critical thinker. All right, you are a one-tracked mind person. Now, when you understand how the workplace of the future is going to function, then you would know that the kind of education that you're giving to, to you're giving young people today in 2020 is not a future-ready education. I used to ask people, uh, educators, that the kids in your class, how many more years will it take before they start to work in the workplace? So I would say, okay, 10 years more. 10 years more. Now, 10 years more will land us in 2030. So what will be the skills that the world of 2030 will be looking for? And can you say in good conscience that you're preparing these children for the world of 2030? The, The answer is no. And that is tragic. It means that the children are not being prepared for their future. They are being prepared for their teacher's past. So the teacher will be teaching from experience. All right? So they're teaching them as though they are going to get ready to work for Nightel or Rayway or something. You see, that reality, that world is gone. We have a bold new world right now. So one thing that educators need to start to do right now, fundamentally, the first step, is to embed the core skills into the curriculum as a delivery mechanism. In other words, teachers shouldn't teach anymore. Teachers should simply facilitate learning by deploying core skills, meaning that you want to teach a subject matter, you introduce a subject matter, and then you get people to to engage, to to share ideas, to share what what the, 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 the background knowledge they have about all the different components of that subject matter. Give them group assignment, get them to brimstone the matter, let them come back into the classroom and, and share what they have learned. And for this to have depth and impact, the curriculum needs to be cut in half. Yeah. The curriculum is overloaded. The reason why teachers cannot 
essentially go into other debt because they have 10 courses they have to cover. They have only 12 weeks to do that and there are almost 13 topics to cover in each course. So the workload is extreme. We should realize that knowledge will change. So forcing children to know to, to grasp information that currently exists today shouldn't be the job, shouldn't be the focus of the education itself. The education should be focused on how to learn, not what to learn. Reduce the curriculum by half. Let the children use the key critical subjects to develop the capacity to learn so that if there is need to learn something in sociology or anthropology or something to strengthen what you're doing, they can go at it by themselves. They don't need a teacher for that. They don't need to carry a full credit code for that. They can run that on their own. So we have to embed cost chaos into the curriculum. We have to reduce the curriculum load. It is overloaded. Cut it in half and throw one half into the sea. All right, let the children focus on depth. All right. Uh, coverage. Yeah. All right. Let me cut it short there. Um, for example, my team and I are looking into starting a full-fledged blended school in September. My question is that already do you think Nigerians, um, I'm talking about the parents now, are ready for a blended school where you incorporate um, these things that are necessary for the future and cutting back on things that are that are not important. How ready do you think the Nigeria um, parent is? And the second part of that question is, if the Nigerian government and educators are not ready to prepare the children for the future, do you think it will get to a point in which the future would have to force them to do what is necessary? Well, we are we are already in that future right now, aren't we? What is going on right now, we start to force any right-thinking government to reappraise their policies in education. Yes. I mean, our response to the COVID pandemic, the fact that we don't have ventilators, the fact that our health infrastructure is in comatose, the fact that when it matters most, we cannot churn out the right kinds of people who can make the difference. All of those things should get a government, any government, to start to think about how ready it is to confront the future. Because this is one of many, many uncertainties that's going to happen in the future. And our survival as a race will depend on a supply of smart, innovative people who can solve these kinds of problems that nobody anticipated. That's one. Number two, parents are not ready in Nigeria. They will need a thunderbolt of an experience to to, to juggle them into reality. Unfortunately, parents are living in a bubble. They are so concerned about asset, um, uh, assessment or grades or certificate. Yeah. Oh, my son has a 7A, my daughter has 3Bs and all of that. And six months after, the child cannot defend the result yeah. because all of that was memorized and right. All right, there is no grasp of the principle. The child cannot apply what is learning to real world situation. And that is where cost skills come in. Alright, so any kind of blend that allows children, like what we're currently doing, to take, like, you see the critical thinking projects we're giving them now, we are taking subject matter in the academic programs, yeah, yeah. in chemistry, in physics, in biology, in economics, in commerce, in accounting, alright, and then we are, 
we are requiring them to use principles in those subjects to solve problems in real world. So for the first time in their lives, they are going to start to see how what they are doing in school impacts the real world. And we're giving them life ammunition projects, not some fairy tale project, real project that they will have to post to the subject matter concerned. Alright? So so this is these are the ways that you prepare children for the future by helping them see that learning is alive. It's not a redundant passive activity, it is alive. It is something that you do every day that have to wrap your mind. Parents are not fully ready for this, but they will eventually be ready. Because by the time they see that the rate that the world is evolving, it is people who can solve problems and think critically that are being employed and that are getting the high skill and high wage jobs of the future. They will start to rethink this certificate thing. It's true. That's why I said if the, for instance, the Chartered Institute of uh, Personnel Management begins to review some of this policy and, you know, allow companies to hire people, even if they don't have uh, some of these certificate things, but these people can deliver on the skills. People will change their thinking. Our our polytechnics and our technical schools will completely be re uh, revamped because suddenly people come to realize that these technical skills are the skills of the future. For instance, if somebody's in technical school and is doing plumbing, the kind of plumbing that these children do is the old-fashioned type, yeah. the 19th century plumbing, where you would join two pipes together and put a control. And then, you know, but in the 21st century, plumbing has been digitalized, so that if you are given an architectural uh, layout, this, uh, uh, design layout of a plant, a facility, a refinery, whatever, you will have to learn how to interpret that layout and identify all the plumbing layouts of that design, all right? And then there is need for you to use technology to run 3D models of the plumbing problems, all right? Our technical school students who we are teaching plumbing cannot do that. And now the the, the uh, what is it called now? The the the, the buildings, the, the infrastructure of the future are going to be running on these kinds of models. So how will these children compete? Yeah, thank goodness you mentioned that. Um, the other day I was reading something on Twitter where someone commented that he invited an electrician to come fix some bulbs in his house. And those bulbs were smart bulbs, and the electrician had no experience with them. And he felt they were they were totally faulty, and he was taking them to go throw it in the trash because he had no idea how the smart bulb works. So we are in a world where things are beginning to change so drastically, and many of the people in this part of the world are oblivious of what is happening in the world. But that takes me to the next question, still on critical thinking. I've discovered, and I think you mentioned it in one of your posts, that um, one of your posts to the parents actually, that you are beginning to see more engagements with the science students than with the commercial students. Why do you think this is so? I think this has been an, a re reoccurring problem down the years. Uh, commercial students have been looked down upon for so long. They have been dumped down. People look at them uh, at those class. You know, you know these people. Uh, the people who are not smart enough to be in science and art would take them to commercial. So they seem to have accepted that identity, and it is shaping their self perception. So sometimes you give critical thinking problems 
and why you're seeing 200, 300 chat responses from yeah. science you see maybe one or two in commercial. I mean, this is a class of 256 people. And then you say, oh, what, what's going on, guys? Attempt it. The fear to attempt, the, the idea that, well, they should just teach us, let us pass. Mm -hmm. That is something I needed to break. It's part of the reason why I'm trying to move. Uh, I'm taking the critical thinking program from what's happened to Edmodo. Okay. Because I wanted them to be in the midst of other people. All of them together and see if we can solve the commercial problem once and for all. I needed to be able to evaluate where we are. So I am taking the current state of things as my baseline. I mean, these people are not engaging. So over the next couple of weeks, I need to come back and do uh, a current study, compare with my baseline, to say, okay, this is where we started, where are we now? All right, so that I can evaluate how much the interest they have picked up. Because it's important for me to be able to get them to become more excited about learning. Yeah. All right, I, I think something has happened to their psyche or to the way that they see themselves. And we have to fix that. All right, we have to fix that. Number two, we cannot run away from the fact that most of science most of the subjects in science require some level of logic and critical thinking. Yeah. And, and children who have been exposed to that kind of thing, I mean, mathematics all by itself is a science of logic. Yes. All right, so kids who are very smart in science are likely to be smart in the general outlook of life. Are likely to be more engaging in the way that they approach problems, solve problems, you know? Even in other subjects, you, you, you get a picture. Yes, I do. Now, commercial students have not had that level of exposure to logic, to critical thinking. They essentially have just been reading, memorizing, and moving on. All right? They don't do further maths. They don't do chemistry. They don't have to balance equation. They don't have to understand. You, 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 you so the absence of critical thinking and logical reasoning activity in the commercial program do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, it's I part do. of the reason why we have this level of poor engagement. So we are hoping that by introducing critical thought, critical thinking disciplines, these commercial students will start to pick things up little by little. All right, start to think more rationally. They're not used to it. It's almost as though they are drink, uh, their critical thinking muscles are atrophied. So what you're trying to do is to try to work it up a little bit, see if you can work it out and get them to start to respond bit by bit because this is how it's going to happen. That is why I think that we have more engagement in the science and possibly in the art than you have in a commercial because critical thinking problem solving skills have not really been a part of their program going forward. With the exception to mathematics, yeah. which many commercial students don't do very well in. Yeah. Um, they, they, they really struggle with maths. All right? And that goes on to tell you that the, <clears throat> again, if you check schools, I don't know why this is, if you go to certain schools, you discover that sometimes the they, they teachers assigned to teach math and science classes seem to be more engaging, more forward-looking than the teachers they send to some of the commercial classes. And in, in situations where you have the same teacher teaching science, art, and commercial, you discover that those teachers seem to be more involved in this commercial, I mean, in the science classes because of the quality of feedback they get. Yeah. 
than in commercial. In commercial, you just go dump it for them, pick it if you want to pick it, and they move on. That is why you see that the same teacher has taught all three departments, and yet in the final analysis, science students are getting 80% pass in math, yeah. commercial students are getting only 30% pass in math, yeah. and it was the same teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So you get it. So yeah, these are the smaller factors, you know, um, beneath the surface that has led to the situation that we have seen. Uh, we need to have more teachers who will believe in the capacity of this commercial student and who will speak to them. Yeah, I agree with you. This is how far time will permit us on this episode of This is the Future podcast. In the next episode, I ask Johnson Abali why he thinks that there is more engagement in the science class for critical thinking than in the commercial class. You don't want to miss that episode. Until I come your way again, stay safe, stay sane.